0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Thursday Free Pod for the Inside OU Podcast. Or as I realized this morning, uh, when I'm sitting around in my kitchen, because usually if I'm reading a book, Keegan, um, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know if you can see my, you've been in my kitchen. There's that counter right there. I will uh, put the book flat on the counter while I'm drinking coffee and turn on this little spotlight right behind me, really bright, uh, because my eyes suck. So I need to see the fine print. So I usually just read a book in my kitchen right there and not at the table where I'm recording right now or on the couch because then I get lazy and blah, blah, blah. But I was sitting there, you know, reading and thinking about things in the morning. And I thought, you know what? We could call the Inside OU podcast the IOU podcast because that's the abbreviation. And it also makes a lot of sense because, man, do I owe, uh, especially our patrons, I owe our patrons an apology. (laughs) That was the worst podcast I think I've ever done. <laughs> the, worst, the worst podcast I've ever recorded uh ever. And I've been recording podcasts since 2016 when I worked for Thunder Digest and I did the Peek and Roll podcast. Um, so obviously I've hopefully gotten better over the years. But that was that was so bad, Keegan. Not only did I get names wrong, I lacked energy. I uh, lack the hustle, I lack the grit necessary to run this podcast, uh, and I just want to apologize to everybody. Um, I, I think it mostly had to do, man, with the fact that this weather sucks. We don't, need to <laughs> talk, we don't need to talk about the weather, but... We got a foot of snow! Why can't we talk about the weather? Well, we got a,
1: 20 inches of snow, actually. I don't know how much it's going to be.
0: When it's dark and cold... And you can't go outside like it does affect my mood, so I'm going to blame it on on that. So apologies when it's uh
1: when it's negative 17 on Sunday or Monday, windshield. Just know because I'm sure he listens to this podcast. Just know I'm going to be thinking about John Hoover and his childhood.
0: Yeah, John Hoover's uh he wasn't born, he wasn't born in Alaska, but he lived in Alaska up until his young adult years is what i've kind of gathered so he i think he
1: he moved to oklahoma and then went to east central i he's gonna he's
0: gonna kill us for this but he was born in ada okay and then went to yeah because and and then came back yeah because him and madison morris are from the same hometown or he might have been born in alaska and then he moved to oklahoma and simply graduated from ada high school i could be completely wrong on the john hoover origin story but uh john it's it, gonna be effing being cold now john me. john is like a north korean dictator in that like his his beginnings his origins are shrouded in mystery we don't know exactly what year he was born i'm not i'm not touching that i'm not saying he is a north korean dictator he's like a south korean president because I, I would assume on two north. fronts i'm not
1: touching that
0: well th- he's just I'm a not nice touching north
1: korea and i'm not touching Hoover being like a dictator living in North Korea. Would you touch the? the
0: Ho- would you touch the Hoover Dam?
1: I would. I would like to see the Hoover Dam.
0: Well, I don't think OU is ever going to be playing in the state of Oregon anytime soon. But there uh, because they're, they're not wait, a- Oregon.
1: A- wait, whoa wait, wait, wait. Hoover <laughs> Dam's in uh, Washington, Arizona, Arizona. I thought right,
0: Arizona, Nevada. All right, all right. We're already going to have to like, where is the Hoover Dam? Where, where, where is
1: the Hoover Dam? The I Hoover- think so. I think that's right.
0: I might have been wrong. I think it's the Colorado River. Let's see here. I don't want to map. On. I don't want to map. Oh, I no, I, oh, I think that's Oh what. my God, it's in Nevada. <laughs> I told you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. Is the Hoover the Hoover Dam spanning the Arizona Nevada state line, located in the Black Canyon of the Colorado River, 35 miles southeast of that. Las Vegas. Look at that. Look hey. it, you got it right. A, I was completely hey. what the f am I thinking about.
1: Hey, once upon a time, I won a uh, geography bee in fifth grade. Went to uh, state, almost one state.
0: There you go. Keegan, I'm so proud of you. I'm going to put that on the fridge. That you is should. Great, that and you should a,
1: send me a gold star.
0: That is a great, great job. I'm going to pat you on the head over the Zoom machine. And by the way, um, obviously with the weather, uh, Keegan, I didn't really want you to have to drive to Vanessa House uh, in the evening. Who knows what the weather is going to be like tonight. And also, I'm bartending tonight. At Vanessa' house, so we're, that's why we're recording this a little bit early, uh, but not too early because there was some good juicy news that dropped for the University of Oklahoma that we will get into. Of course, as we're talking about the scheduling, uh, so we'll get into that later. The Big Twelve uh, hates Oklahoma, by the way. Big Twelve, I'm just going to get that well, out there. The Big Twelve doesn't hate Oklahoma, and I think you already said it. Uh, they don't hate Oklahoma as much as the SEC and the Big Ten just love their flagship school. <laughs> that <laughs> love weird. is unconditional. Like, get you. All right. Get you a woman, whatever you're into, get you a woman or a man that is into you as much as the Big Ten is, is into Ohio State's playoff chances, because that is an unconditional love that cannot be matched. Uh, So yes, we will talk about that later on in the show, but I did want to start introducing something uh, for the free pod. We might do some funny stuff on Patreon as well. Uh, which subscribe to our Patreon page if you haven't already. We actually got a new patri- uh, a patron today, so we will give you a thank you on our Tuesday pod. If you listen to the free pod, thank you so much. But um, because it's the off season, because news is going to be scarce, I mean, once we get into spring football, we'll have a lot to talk about. But once that's over, Keegan, you know, it's going to be a whole bunch of... Uh, is there anything out there to talk about? Are we going to talk about 2020 again? Are we going to deep dive into the history of the program, which could be fun in itself? Uh, we've got a lot of plans for patreon so don't worry about that but for this pod i wanted to start doing something a little bit fun uh, that could get listeners involved in terms of them saying brady's an idiot which is of course i completely welcome or you know whatever we might do something uh, with this segment on the tuesday pod going into thursday so you can
1: only get mad if you have amount of followers as brady that that's how this works
0: exactly and Judging by where I thought the Hoover Dam was, I'm not really looking forward to this. The whole point, I don't know what we're going to name it because I don't want to call it or name it Stump Brady because I'm not the intelligent hierarchy of anything. I'm not the smartest person in the room whatsoever. But as Keegan points out, as I will randomly point out for whatever reason, I do like history and I do like the history of this great OU football program that we are doing a podcast about. So... Um, I want to do something a little fun. So Keegan, I pitched to you the idea and hopefully you are going to ask me a question that can either make me look like an idiot or make me look like a genius because either way, it's going to be good for the content.
1: I'm going to say, and I said this before the show, we'll see if people respond to this. Stumping the Sooners, I think would be a good idea for a name for the segment, but tell me I'm an idiot or but, that it doesn't fit. when well, If it doesn't.
0: Well, this can be a question about anything can be about a game could be about a player could be about a season like who did OU play to open up the season in 1972 or whatever like that. Um, this is not like the Lincoln Riley thing where you're going to ask me, uh, you know, the ball is on the 32 yard line uh, on the far side of the field in Manhattan. Like what was No, the- Brady, I've got it. I've
1: already got a question for you.
0: Oh, let's Don't do worry. It.
1: That's what I was saying. Yeah. It's yeah. good. I think this is going to be called stumping the Sooners. So I mentioned before, that Oklahoma, the last time they had as many guys drafted as they may have in 2022, so after this season, was 2005 after the 2004 season Brady, who was the top player selected?
0: So this is the coming off of the heels of the disaster that was the Orange Bowl against USC. Oh man. Would that have been Jamal Brown to the New Orleans Saints?
1: Bing, bing, bing. And Ooh. I wanted to make it – I knew you would know that, kind of, and you may or may not, but because there's another player that was on that team that was pretty damn good in uh, Mark Clayton.
0: Mark Clayton, but, yeah, was he a late first or an early second? Or did you even... – uh,
1: He was picked nine spots behind Jamal Brown. Jamal Brown went 13th. And I think it's relevant, too. Like, I, whenever you – tell me to get ready for a question. And please, Brady, as you know, remind me to have something ready for you. Um, But uh, as anybody knows me well enough, regardless, I think it's important. Like these are going to be tied to like looking towards this season. Like there's going to be a lot of historical things done in 21. Um, So it's going to be important to look at the most historic things that we've seen in the past and in the, since the NFL draft went to seven rounds in 1994, 12 is the most Oklahoma has had, and that was 2005. Believe it or not, the 2019 draft was the second most. And it was eight, I believe, or eight or nine. So I think it's going to be broken this year. And I, I know it could be a quick topic of discussion. And I think we both agree on that, that the 12 number has a really good shot of being broken. And this could be a just monster year for the program from a – with even without winning an F championship, from a NFL draft perspective, from a recruiting perspective, um, this could be even if you don't hold up the great lipstick candle that they have as a college football playoff trophy.
0: Mm, if you're great, not great phrase.
1: Yeah, I don't even know what that means. It probably looks more, I guess, chapstick. Nah, it's a lipstick thing. Anyways, Oops. regardless, regardless, um, I think that it could be a big. I mean, you're talking about. If you just go down the list, left tackle, Juanye Morris, Marquise Hayes at center. Tyrese Robinson's probably going to get drafted anyways. Uh, and then, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I did say that very petty-like. Anyways, Tyrese Robinson's probably a going to get drafted. Spencer Rattler, Kennedy Brooks, Jaden Hazelwood, Trejan Bridges, Austin Stogner. There's eight right there and then yep. on, on offense. All right, I'll we'll flip it over on defense. Benito, uh, Winfrey, Thomas, Osamoa a Gwebu, uh, potentially.
0: Brian Asamoah has to have a big year, I think. I think he does, too. I,
1: I mean, we talked about all of last season how close he was in every yeah. game. And yeah. He kind of put it together. I'm not going to – again, I'm not going to put a lot of thought on the Florida game, like, from an evaluation standpoint, because
0: – Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because, I mean, like, Florida didn't – That get was it. his... It's well-documented, so we, we've moved on.
1: Yeah, so, uh, regardless, I uh, – So, there you go. There's six right there. There's their front six are all getting drafted – uh woody washington has a big year he could go Delaron turner yell there's
0: 16 that's 16 yeah like OU's already sniffing at the number 12 in terms of players being drafted but before you cross that threshold you're talking about players like asamoa woody washington players that we think are going to have big jumps and have big years um, and if they do you know barring injury if they can put together like an all-conference like performance then they are going to get drafted oh is going to break through that uh 12 that number 12 threshold and it's going to be you know the ou draft from now until the end of time
1: i will say in, in response to that i think it's funny because i bring up austin stogner right and we talked about this on the patreon on tuesday i think there's probably a better than good chance this is his last year in norman if, if he stays healthy um, but so when you look at that i'm gonna i'm gonna throw something out there i know mikey hit back brayden willis could technically come back brady but I, I think Oklahoma should be in the market if a, a big-bodied tight end or even a freshman guy that's like an outside linebacker that's looking to maybe play offense. Like, it may not be a bad time to bring in a guy in case it's just Braden Willis and Mikey Henderson back in the back – back as an H back next year. Because you saw Joe John Finley immediately when he was hired. He made three offers like the next day. Yeah. So, they're I mean, they're in the wheelhouse to go get some uh, – maybe a couple – uh h-backs tight end guys in this class i would I, i'm just throwing that out there like i it would not and looking at the roster and saying that stagner could be gone brady it just makes a little sense that they could maybe be in the market and this is based on nothing this isn't an, an inside
0: well thing, but uh, it holds a little bit more importance. so uh, who is the kid who just transferred away from ou
1: conyers who we all uh, thought was going to yeah. have a chance to have a all-american i heard he didn't even practice all season
0: like uh was this a COVID? he was gone
1: he was. I oh. I don't. I'm not touching. I'm not touching the Conyer situation. But I, uh, I. Yeah. There you go. I, I mean, it may have been a week, two weeks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Tops. Oh yeah. Well, like the point. The We're point it. being, hopefully he's he's fine. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, but, yeah. He's uh with Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Yeah.
1: Who's gonna be? Uh, who's my darling this year, Brady? Uh,
0: but point being, like OU's future <laughs> at tight end, you know, is gonna hold some importance in terms of the recruiting angle. So we will. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But yeah, that was that segment. If you have any ideas of what to call it, please, you know, tweet, you know, Keegan or me at Keegan Renault at Brady to the sports for some segment ideas. And the whole idea is if we keep doing it and we have some fun with it, hopefully if everything goes back to normal in terms of being able to highly encourage a lot of you listeners to come to Vanessa house on Thursdays during football season, Uh, to get ready for the exciting you know game on saturday um it would be fun to be able to do it with like 10 15 20 listeners you know having some beers at vanessa house having a good time and uh, we can kind of get you all involved in on the uh question so that's the whole idea behind that so we're going to start now so we can by the time fall rolls around if everything is going according to plan uh then we could have a well-oiled machine by that point so there is that. So I'm glad, Keegan, you asked me a question that I actually knew. I wasn't 100% sure that it was Jamal Brown, but I fa- I was fairly certain. So I- I'm glad I'm, I'm 1-0 thus far. So before we get into the scheduling, I did want to point out another thing. I was listening to our friends at the West of Everest podcast, Keegan, and uh, Grant and Lee Benson do a fantastic job with their podcast. They're doing the uh, once every other week uh, uh, podcast, which is – I kind of envy it because, man, <laughs> it's getting a little bit harder and harder to like think of some content for these shows. If we're going to do uh, one free one, one Patreon, you know, to keep everybody happy. But uh, we've been fortunate thus far. But they had their Buki pod um, on Tuesday or Wednesday. This is the first time they had recorded since Buki announced he was transferring. And uh, I'm not going to I'm going to be real. Grant just threw me completely under the bus. I think he said I think he said I was ugly. I think he said I was an idiot. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but he, he was more on your side, Keegan. So it seemed like on Twitter, I was just destroying you in terms of our listener base um, agreeing with my whole bookie take when we had our pot on him a few weeks ago. Uh, but it, it, Grant Benson is at least in your wheelhouse in that uh, Grant thinks that OU is going to be not as how I took it was, if OU ceiling is here, and I'm, this is a terrible thing to do on a podcast with Buki, they can they can attain it without Buki. They're just going to be a tiny bit of a hair under that potential ceiling because he thinks Buki is really good because of his football IQ, which you and I both praise and his ability in man coverage, which you and I both praise. So congratulations, Keegan, you've got a smart guy on your on your side.
1: I think it's just, it's just more of, like, when you look at it and you go, okay, Buki's gone, who's playing? You go, uh, it could be just – there's not a sure thing, you know, and, and, I, and I know that, you know, comes off a little bit from my thought processes on, like, evaluation and NFL and this and that, whatever, but, like, whenever you're going into a season that's a national championship season, right? Like, you want to know you have a sure thing, and Buki was that at nickel. He was sure to give you – 98 percent of his snaps are going to be really really good 95 probably 95 percent of his snaps are going to be really good and my god the five percent though are just so catastrophic it it's hard to take and it's frustrating to watch like I don't want people to sit here and think that because people like Grant and I say that or people that defend Buki say that or like I wouldn't even take it as me defending Buki it's just more of like it's like man, he, you know, he helps you, like, as long as he's not doing the dumb penalties, but you can't guarantee that that's not going to happen, so it's a give and take, as we both said last week, um, but he's a pretty good football player, I hope, like I said, I, I think wherever he is going to go, if he gets a shot at corner Brady, he's probably going to have a pretty good chance to have some success, in my opinion, uh, so we'll see kind of where he ends up, he's not gone anywhere yet, so I, I wonder yeah. how long this is going to be a, a process because he for Oklahoma's sake he still has until the end of March I would assume he's still enrolled in classes you know so whatever it may be like it could end up being Oklahoma in the end it wouldn't shock me if at all
0: no it wouldn't shock me either um because I think if I was the one who of the two of us on our Buki pod a few weeks ago if I was the one that was kind of like I don't want Buki on on the team which I think I said but I think we kind of both came back down to earth from our sides of the argument where my whole honest take on it is if he's on the team, fine. I just don't think OU, the program that I think OU is, where I think they are trending, especially defensively, where they've come from and what the standard is. I just don't think a player like Buki that does have some reward to his game. Like we've, we've discussed it ad nauseum at this point, we don't need to get into it. Uh, But the reward is, minute compared to the risk i just don't think a player like that should be playing defense significant, a significant amount of steps and a significant role at the university of oklahoma that's just my opinion i have a high standard and unfortunately at times it's a unrealistic standard i guess i could say um but it's not on un- i wouldn't say it's
1: on un- you have a more realistic point of view than majority <laughs> of people i'll say i'm well, not gonna get mean here but
0: well look because look like a big thing on their pod was just the i guess the symbolism that Buki holds to the entire fan base both good and bad uh, when he got here in 2018 he was looked to be a savior and they even brought up and i completely forgot about this and you'll remember this keegan uh carrie cooks in the first spring practice availability when asked about Buki, he's his face lit up you know, it was like, this guy is like going to be good. So it wasn't just the fans buying into the five-star hype. It was the coaching staff at the time, the current, the, like the, the past defensive regime that really kind of set the tone for people to be either completely in awe of Buki Radley Hiles or completely underwhelmed. And so, yes, Buki was kind of done dirty by his coaching staff, just in terms of the, the hype. And of course him not playing cornerback, you know, we, we've talked about that at nauseum as well. Uh, but at the same time, I just, a player like that, that can like, cause players make mistakes. G- great players make mistakes and sometimes great players can have bad games. That's fine. To me, it's just, it's just something as simple as you are deliberately shooting your team in the foot time and time again and it's not just me thinking this it's not just crazy OU fans that just want to hate on Buki Radley Hiles which is what annoys me about this whole thing is I feel like people that are trying to defend Buki like which is fine I feel like they're trying to go way overboard and I'm not saying Grant or Lee are doing this but some people are they're going way overboard and saying well any OU fan that doesn't like Buki just hates him and you're disgusting and like these are kids it's like okay are they kids or are they adults pick pick your pick your battle there but um I think if Kirk Herbstreet, somebody who is universally respected in the game of college football, and especially with OU, he's for an outsider. He is rather plugged into the program that goes back to the Bob Stoops days. It's kind of continued on with Lincoln Riley to some extent. Um, If Kirk Herbstreet is dogging you on national TV, then it's not just crazy OU fan. It's, that's what it is. And, that to me is just like why I have the mindset of if he leaves, cool. Oh, you will still be fine. Will someone be as good as, as him as in man coverage? Maybe, maybe not, but we want to find out. And if they're not, hopefully they just don't give you as many BS head scratching decisions on the field that Buki would have done.
1: Well, it's a good thing. We didn't rewatch the Kansas defensive game um, before doing this podcast, because <laughs> he played like a, i'll no, say this we talked about no, I, after that game yeah yeah like, let, let me say this let me say this it's funny i reached out and said I, I think buki you know if he plays like this he's gonna have a chance to be an nfl guy he i plays agree like he did against kansas state and then literally the next sunday so that's kansas state game ends literally a week after that text on that sunday week after that i literally responded to text him back and go never mind Said, scratch that. So, uh, no,
0: like I remember it. No, it's both.
1: It's, it's both. I mean, it's both ways. It's like I said, like, like Kirk Herbstreit, when he did that, did I think it was a little like not needed. Yeah. But I think he said what a lot of people were thinking. Now, Kirk, on, as an outsider, doesn't know the like the stuff that we talked about from a football IQ, from a chemistry perspective, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, you know, he he he, he doesn't know all that at the end of the day. He, if he ends up back at Oklahoma, it helps Oklahoma. If he doesn't like, does Oklahoma have athletes to put at that position? And do I trust this coaching staff to figure it out? I do. I'm just unsure yet because, you know, you hear Billy Bowman maybe working on defense so far, you know, and that's a guy that's truly a viable candidate to play that position. Cause he's one mean he's, you know, two inches, three inches taller than Buki. And he kind of plays exactly like him, which is kind of what Oklahoma needs. Um, so, you know, he's there if he's there. And then else after that, you have Justin Harrington that can probably wind down and do it. Um, you know, you have Delarion Turner Yell, Jaden Davis. I mean, where do you go from there? Bryson Washington, maybe. But as we've seen, he doesn't turn and run as well as I thought he did. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, that there's just, it's just more that there's a question there now. Like, it's like, okay, like you have kind of this puzzle put together, right? You got, you found your left tackle uh Keyshawn Lawrence I guess is a name to throw uh I think him or Harrington would be the best options but regardless my point is that you kind of have this puzzle figured out right and then you start looking at the roster again now that Buki's gone and you're like okay well if the safety has to come down and play nickel then who's going to play safety if it's if you're not bringing anybody down then who's playing nickel like now we're having that conversation which Instead of saying, well, like, I think Oklahoma's going to be fine in the back end. They have a bunch of experienced guys. Well, now they got to kind of move that puzzle around again to figure this all out. I trust that they can do it, Brady. It's yeah. just more of a, let's see it happen. And I know we'll get into the schedule next, uh, which is the perfect, perfect segue, because, I, you know, as we, as we talk about in this podcast, there's three things leading into a season that are the most important for a team. Returning production – schedule assistance and coordinators and head coach usually those three things so now we have a schedule for Oklahoma um to kind of dive into maybe and see what the ebbs and flows of the season may look like
0: yeah and uh for me let me put a bow on the bookie thing real quick and uh let me reiterate once again that I was just kidding Grant if you're still listening I love West of Everest podcast uh I'm sure everybody listens to this, listens to that one as well. But if not, go check out West of Everest podcast. Highly recommend that for every single OU fan out there. Um, I guess if you want to boil down my standard for OU um, to the lowest common denominator, it's, it's simply this. I don't like being told something is good when I don't think it is. I don't like being lied to. So I just feel like whether it's a coach, whether it's a player, anything. I feel like if somebody is just not giving you what we expected out of them, or somebody is shooting, shooting the team in the foot. Oh, you should be in a position to just like, look at that guy and go, all right, we can replace you. This is the university of Oklahoma. When Buki got here, they could not look him in the eye and say, we're, we're going to replace you for all that BS. Um, not, not, ne- sure. not necessarily 20 because you know, it was just bad all around and he wasn't really a penalty problem at that point. Um, 2019 is kind of when that kind of came about. So it's that. And then I think the last one of the last bullet points West of Ever's hit on was just the whole um, it's important to have returning. And you were kind of touching on this just a minute ago, Keegan, it's important to have returning experience in the secondary. And I agree, but that doesn't always guarantee that it's going to be good. I mean, I feel like OU has been in a constant state over the last two, two, three years of where we're in the off season going into the next season saying, man, the secondary is real experienced. And how often did that help OU until literally the seventh game of the season this year, the sixth or seventh game?
1: Yeah. And to what you're saying, I just want to butt in here, like, man, you got to remember like, yes, these guys were experienced. 2018 were their freshman year. 2019 was their first year with Grinch. And then they didn't have a spring or a summer. So waiting, Pat Fields playing good football from the seventh game on makes sense you know, to learn to yeah. yell, having flashes early in the season, and then really coming to on his own at the end of the year makes sense. You know, Buki, here's the thing, the dumb penalties, right? Like, that's what we're focusing on. Like, Buki had the dumb penalties in 2019. That's it. Done. You you embarrassed Oklahoma, you kind of, you know, he was, uh, he would tell you he was embarrassed for himself and his family, in whatever, on national television. Like, at the end of the day, like, that's the stuff that's different. Like, he got better from 19 to 20, I promise you. I can show you that. And I, I'm, I can tell you a lot of people would agree with me. Um, but the corners, like Trey Brown played well, like that's a guy that should not have waited seven, eight games to play well. And, you know, we, we can talk about even how well he played, you know, and that's not me hating or I promise you it's not me hating. We're, but, going, um, we're going
0: to do a pod where we're going to talk about all the draft guys and the draft eligible guys, I should say. And we'll sure, have another yeah. discussion about Trey so, Brown in the future.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it makes sense why it took this group a little bit longer to get going. And even to that point, why David Aguibre made me look like an idiot. You know, like, it, I, it's just, you can weigh some of it for some players, I think, and weigh not as much for others. Yeah. Um, and but- so, yeah, I just, I, I feel like this secondary this year, you're getting a full spring, a full summer. Now, if there's hiccups early in the year, Brady, is when you go, okay, yeah, something's got to – got to do something here. we got to move some more puzzle pieces around.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is nuance to everything, and I will recognize that just because somebody is gone, the next person is not guaranteed to be better. But at this, in the same vein, if, if I'm going to agree to that, at least agree that just because somebody's coming back doesn't mean
1: – yeah, I agree.
0: They're going to suddenly correct everything. You know, an offense help, well, but it doesn't always guarantee improvement.
1: Are you confident that the right, right guard is going to play Brady?
0: Oh. Um,
1: there you go. Uh, so I agree with you. You know this.
0: Yeah, hope, hopefully OU finds Let's themselves Let's get
1: into the schedule before in we a position. Uh, go off on another rant.
0: Yeah, hopefully OU finds themselves in a position where they can play Tyrese Robinson off the field. Now, the big news of the day, the schedule – finally got released not the non-conference not the non-conference 25 years from now keegan but the big 12 finally got around to it and said oh Oh,
1: we are touching on that too huh
0: i guess i guess we'll uh i guess we'll release the entire schedule for the 21 season so i will read them off right now september 4th at tulane september 11th western carolina september 18th nebraska September 25th, West Virginia, so three straight home games for OU uh, during the hottest time of the year. And then, and this is going to be the interest, The first bullet point I think we're going to touch on, at least it will be for me, October 2nd at Kansas State. And then a, a week later, OU Texas in the Cotton Bowl. October 16th, TCU in Norman. October 23rd, Kansas in who cares? Uh, doesn't matter where that game's played. October 30th, Texas Tech in Norman. And then November rolls around. OU only has one home game. They've got Baylor in Waco on the 13th. Iowa State, this late in the season, on November 20th in Norman. And then Oklahoma State gets their wish to pretend that this game is actually a fun rivalry game by playing it at the end of the year, November 27th in Stillwater, Oklahoma State.
1: The Big 12 hates Oklahoma all right let me give give me a 30 second soapbox why in the are why is iowa state late in the year that makes absolutely no sense
0: it makes sense to me it makes sense to me
1: it does okay all right right, let me let me let me unpack it real quick iowa state has a chance again i don't know you're right i don't know if putting it like the first game of big 12 conference plays a good idea i want both teams to kind of figure themselves out Maybe October twenty third, October sixth. You know, you know, like where the week of the Kansas game, like a month earlier, for two reasons. One, it gives Iowa State less chances to lose if they. Again, this is all, buff. You know, all this is all contingent on Iowa State beating Iowa in the first in the non-con. But Iowa State if it's like the seventh, eighth game, in, or if it's the eighth game in the year. One, Iowa State could be a top five team. That's a ratings bonanza in Norman. Packed crowd, unbelievable atmosphere, Hopefully. great football game. Packed crowd, I'm going to be confident. Packed yeah. crowd, uh, great atmosphere, all this stuff, right? Now it's the second to last game of the year. Here's your, and, and another point too it's not it's going to be freaking cold in late November, regardless. Here's the other point. We've got two weeks between if Iowa State and Oklahoma are who we think they are. Now you're only giving two weeks to to between those games between that and the Big Twelve championship. Man, I just yep. don't get it. I I I don't. And then we'll get into the whole trap game thing that the Big Twelve played with Oklahoma this year as well, which is if I'm not saying like you know front of the pod joke, right. If uh, if I'm Josie, i I'm like, guys, what the f- are you doing? Like, no,
0: yeah. yeah. Look, if I could make only two changes to this schedule, because I I, I love the schedule. I think it sets up well for Oklahoma in terms of uh, when they're playing certain teams, if other teams are as good as we think they are, well, then OU will have a, a lovely springboard into not only the Big 12 Championship game, if they're fortunate enough to get there, and if they're fortunate enough to win that game, they'll have a wonderful springboard into the college football playoff, maybe even higher than a four or even a third seed. Uh, which is something I don't OU wasn't one or two in the Rose Bowl were they, they? were two against they were Georgia. Two.
1: They were two against Georgia. They wore crimson. And they were also uh two against Clemson, I believe. Or three.
0: They were four. But I thought they were
1: red. They were, I thought
0: they, they were they were
1: red. They were
0: They were no, they were white in the Orange Bowl. They were three They were they
1: were third. They were th- they were third, yeah.
0: They were third and then they beat Oklahoma State and then they dropped a spot to four. That's what happened, I believe. But You know, different topic regardless, that doesn't
1: matter. That is, yeah. But if
0: I could, if I could change two things, it's can we please put Kansas before Texas? (laughs) Please, not Kansas State. And I would have preferred because I like Iowa State, unlike you. I like, I don't mind Iowa State late in the years. I think the Big 12 is just confident that both OU and Iowa State are as good as we all think they, they are. And if they are indeed that, they'll be undefeated or at worst, one loss going into a November matchup in Norman. I would have just preferred Iowa State on the 13th and then Baylor on the road and then Oklahoma State to finish off the year because I think playing Iowa State in Norman with all the juices that are going to be flowing for that game and what could potentially be coming after that game, because we know Iowa State's physical, that's going to be a physical football game. You could potentially kind of walk into Stillwater as somewhat of a wounded animal in terms of some guys might be banged up, some guys might be emotionally drained from the game against Iowa State. Especially if you consider, oh, you could play Iowa State, Keegan, on November 20th, then go into Stillwater to go play Oklahoma State on the 27th, and then the next week play Iowa State again. So that, that to me is the only curious point as to why Iowa State's this late in the year. But I get the Big 12 in thinking both these teams are going to be good. Let's play them at a point in the year where playoff seeding is paramount, rankings are important. This game screams for like late season uh fun if that makes sense
1: i have a quick question for you i just want to ask you how you feel on this before we get into the schedule
0: oklahoma state's
1: gonna not be as good at the skill positions yeah but their offensive line's gonna be better how do you
0: feel about that uh, they won't be able to exploit it because they won't have the skill position guy i mean oklahoma state's always going to have nice skill guys i mean we didn't know who chuba hubbard was until the 2018 bedlam game uh we didn't know who tylen wallace was and until that game either. So that until the al- Texas game that year, yeah. yeah. They always reload with at least nice talents at the skill positions, but to me it's just going to come down to, is Spencer Sanders still the quarterback there at that game? If so, it doesn't scare me. And if he's not, Illingsworth's not better. Who else do they have? So their offensive line might be fine, but OU's defensive line is going to be so much – just so good that it just won't matter. Yeah, no, I,
1: I agree with you. I, I just – in, that, in the phrase of those games, it just makes it a little bit different to think about from my perspective. You, know, you get what I'm getting at? Yeah. I'll, I'll get into yeah. that right now. I'll get into that right now. So you have Kansas State on the road before playing Texas. Which I my hate. My God.
0: I hate that. My
1: God. Uh, okay, let's start at the beginning. At Tulane, love it. It's in New Orleans. We've discussed this. Um, great opportunity. You're playing i Hopefully a, a, we can all go
0: there. Hopefully we can all go there. I want to go to New Orleans.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, it's a great team to play as well. First game of the year because of the offense they run. It's going to force the home to be disciplined. Yeah. Um, so it it's it's good to get that kind of work in game one. You get Western Carolina, the Caleb Williams game. Um, Nebraska, <laughs> also the Caleb Williams game. <laughs> I'm uh,
0: no, well, I, at, uh, at least in the end of the third quarter, into the entire <laughs> is how that should go. Well,
1: going. well, hey, we're getting get into S. Plus, and we've got to talk about Nebraska, anyways. Um, West Virginia, next home game, Brady. West Virginia is going to be pretty good this year. It's a good thing OU's probably getting them early in the year and not late because they're going to be working in some new pieces kind of in different places, um, figuring out who the guy's going to be outside of the Stills brothers that went to the draft. I believe he went to the draft. Um, if he didn't, they're still going to be. West Virginia's got a pretty good corner, they got a good wide receiver. Um, so they've got some good pieces. Daggy's back and he's, eh, I mean, yeah. So, that should be a good warm-up for Oklahoma. God, 2-0 Chris Kleiman against Lincoln Riley the week before Texas and a good Kansas State team. Oh, God.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean – you could, How I look at this, if you're just talking about Kansas State, if you're just talking about the OU-Kansas State game, I think it sets up well for Oklahoma because they're going to get Kansas State uh, early in the season. They have – OU had – Kansas State had OU's attention last year when OU blew a 28-7 lead. That's the point. They had a 28-7 fucking lead. They had Kansas State's attention. A young team that just didn't have a spring or a fall or whatever, a summer, uh, a young team that just didn't know how to win, just fell asleep at the wheel, and they were made better for it. So OU should just dominate, destroy Kansas State. I know Kansas State's going to be better. I know they're going to benefit from having a, a spring and a summer and a fall themselves. Getting Skyler – Was it Skylar Howard or is it Skylar Thompson? Thompson. Yeah, getting Skylar Thompson back is going to help. I mean, they're going to be a tough out. Really what concerns me – Talk about
1: this real quick. Hey, real quick. We've talked about this. Have you seen his splits against Oklahoma and then against everybody else? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like a –
0: he like passes for over like 380 against OU and then barely sniffs 160 against everybody else.
1: He's got like nine rushing touchdowns and is over a 60% completion percentage passer. Yeah. What the hell?
0: Uh, he was the benefit. I mean, Kansas State and Kleiman have just been the benefit of OU sleepwalking in a Manhattan two years ago and then sleepwalking mm-hmm. with three minutes to go in the third quarter. OU up 28 uh, 7.
1: I think it was 31 10. I think it was 31 10, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, OU. They were up three touchdowns. Yeah.
0: yeah. OU was up three touchdowns. That game should have been over. But, you know, credit to Kansas State. They kept fighting and they earned that win. They were the better team on that day, but they're not the better team overall, which is why like OU is going to probably thrash Kansas State and take out two years of frustration on them. But what concerns me is Kansas State is a well-coached team. They're going to have a plan in place to exploit um, all of OU's weaknesses, whatever they may be. And then Texas gets to benefit from it. But at the same time, Keegan, I will point this out. Texas gets TCU and Fort Worth the same day OU plays Kansas State. So I can sit here and complain about Us having to play Kansas State. Oh, God.
1: I did not know. I did not see that. Texas
0: is playing Gary Patterson. And I think once TCU joined the conference back in, what was it, 2013, 2012? Can't remember.
1: They've lost Uh, like once against Texas, I think.
0: But once TCU joined the Big 12, OU went through like this three or four, three years in a row or four years and five year uh, situation where they played TCU the week before Texas every year. And at the time, this is when TCU had some great defenses, and I was like, why are we having to play the best defensive coach in the conference who's going to put the blueprint out on beating OU the week before we play our biggest regular season game of the year, our biggest rival? That's not fair. And I always used to kind of think that has to play into why, in the early 20-teens, why OU would uh, screw around with Texas and not destroy them like they should have in a handful of those games.
1: TCU is 5-2. and two against texas since joining the big 12
0: yeah if if they played like that against the entire big 12 that they do against T, uh, texas tc would have at least two big Twelve championships by now uh
1: texas next brady i mean obviously the game everybody's going to want to watch this year in the big 12 outside of oklahoma iowa state i i don't like you look at texas's schedule i put this out and we're going to get into the sp plus again i promise Louisiana is only two spots behind and less than a point in the rating behind Texas, and that's their opener. Um, uh, <laughs> yikes, Brady! I mean, yikes! So uh, Texas does have to go to TCU. Like, it wouldn't shock me at all if Texas is they play Tech, Rice, and Arkansas. It wouldn't shock three and two heading in that game at least in my opinion be four and one and I don't know if that's a loss to Louisiana loss to Arkansas on the road or TCU I think they go one and two in those games or at the most two and one I don't see them being undefeated heading to Texas and if they are great hell yeah I mean let's go like top 15 top 20 matchup in in, at the Cotton Bowl I'm all for it you have a a national championship contending Oklahoma team um but uh I I wanted to We'll we'll touch on the competitive – I want to touch on the competitive part of the season after we kind of go through the games, and you'll get what I'm saying. Uh, Oklahoma then goes – they get TCU at home. I'm not scared of Gary Patterson against Lincoln Riley anymore. I made that mistake a year ago, Brady, of thinking Gary Patterson was going to attack Oklahoma one way. He went the opposite direction. And then changed defenses at halftime because Gary overthinks everything, um, and that's what he does. You get Kansas on the road who cares? Texas Tech at home, who cares? And then this is Brady, this is where it gets juicy, and I think you and I are going to be in step with this. Well,
0: real quick, let's make the prediction right now, because we've already said that Caleb Williams is obviously going to play against Western Carolina. He's obviously going to play, well, not obviously, but hopefully he plays against Nebraska, and it's because OU is destroying the Cornhuskers, not because OU is being upset by them. I don't want to get jinxed on that one, but Assuming everybody's relatively healthy, OU is as good as we think they are. By this point in the season, October 16th against TCU until October 30th against Texas Tech, do you think Caleb Williams plays in all three games? Not TCU.
1: TCU is going to be pretty good. Um, but, again, Gary Patterson doesn't scare me. Like, TCU is my third team and their fourth team in the conference, I mean, right there with Texas. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, they, their offensive line's better. They're better defensively. So not TCU, but Kansas and Texas Tech, yes. And I think we've just picked out the five games. Caleb Williams will potentially play in. Tulane, Western Carolina, Nebraska, Kansas, and Texas Tech. I bet he plays in exactly four of those five games, Brady. What do you say? I or do you think he plays them in all five and just saying, screw it, I don't care about his red shirt?
0: he shouldn't view him as a red shirt player at all. Like any opportunity I, I Riley has to play Caleb Williams, because if OU is up in the late third, early fourth, by, you know, at least four or five scores, they should, he should play Caleb Williams at that point. You a save Spencer Rattler from getting a bit like an ankle injury or something minor that could inhibit him the following game. And then you get Caleb Williams ready for 2022. So I think that that's fairly important. I would bet the, uh, I mean, what would you say, four I bet over?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, those were the five games. I'm just saying to keep this yeah, red shirt. I'm with you. I mean, he's going to be in Norman for three years. Who cares? So, uh, but, you know, I, I and then you get to the last part of the schedule. And I, I think it's interesting whenever you look at that. You have a bye week before Baylor. Like, that's the only thing holding me back from going that's the game this year if Oklahoma is going to screw it up it's going to be against Dave Aranda and Waco um so yeah I mean I think on the
0: no I I think the I think the bye week right before their November run is the one bone that the Big 12 threw to Oklahoma yeah I mean Dave Dave Aranda I, I think you and I were probably one of the few people that run OU podcasts that were like yeah, like the whole oh, OU playing Baylor without having to practice that much and some players being out because of contact tracing and COVID outbreak and Bob Stoops is having to coach because coaches are out, that's not a very good – I know Baylor's not good. I know they're not good, but David Rand has a really good defensive mind and it's just not a – it's not a good situation to be in. Oh, OU found themselves in a technically competitive game in, uh, against Baylor a few months ago. Uh, I never felt like OU was in danger of losing, but it, like I said, it was unnecessarily competitive for a ton of reasons. And one of those little reasons is that Dave Aranda is a smart coach. And so, yeah, like I think, I think the bye week right before their November run of Baylor, Iowa state, Oklahoma state, and potentially a big tall championship is the one bone the conference threw at OU by just saying like, all right, we'll we'll get you set up for your playoff run if you're as good as we think we are or you are.
1: Yeah. And God love dogs. Right. Regardless. I think, uh, yeah, to finish up that, I just – that's the only thing that's like, man, I was all over around having Riley's number now after the last two times they've played each other. And, like, if Baylor hired BYU's basically entire offensive staff that was really good this year, I mean, like, that's the game, right? If, it, if any this year that Oklahoma could possibly screw up, it would be that one. And then Lincoln Riley that – that wind or that huge sound you heard, you know, an hour ago, Brady, that was Lincoln Riley and Norman saying, thank God they gave me a bye week before playing Dave Aranda. Thank the Lord. Then they go, they play Iowa State at home. And I, you know, we'll discuss that ad nauseum. And then that's what I was saying about Oklahoma State, right? If you go on the road to Oklahoma playing Iowa State, which is like you said, going to be a physical football game, right? Oklahoma State's – in the trenches gonna be pretty good this year. Their defense is still gonna be pretty good. So it does a little it's like eh, eh you know, like eh, I'm not a hundred percent like Oklahoma is gonna go in and win like I, you know, am some years. But this is one of those years where, you know, it's a weird game. Bedlam's always weird, right? Like I just there's something about now I'm not saying I'm was Five, and I wasn't around and I know people are going to cuss at me Brady but wasn't it 01 or 02 where Oklahoma was like going to be in the national championship game and then blew a game to Oklahoma State
0: late I mean 2001 they had to beat Oklahoma State to make the Big 12 championship to potentially make the Rose Bowl to go get their asses handed to them by Miami uh, <laughs> even though you know defense was really good you know make no mistake about it but Nebraska got their asses handed to them, and they probably didn't deserve to be there anyway. Uh, but their offense was a little bit better than OU's, and it just – it wouldn't matter. But, yeah, like your point's taken. Oklahoma just had to beat OSU in 2001, get the big old title game, and they do, they couldn't do that. They lost 13-6 to six or whatever, 13-7, whatever that game was, or uh, Rashawn Woods pushed off or Roy Williams. But, you know what, we've moved on.
1: Different, different eras, and I also understand that as well. And this is where I was going with the competitive question, Brady. You look at this schedule. I mean, is there any game that you look at right now where Oklahoma's going to be under a touchdown favorite?
0: Oh, if Texas is undefeated, they might be – that might be a six-point spread. That might be a six-point spread. I would um, – it's really, it's really hard to say because if Iowa State's undefeated and OU's undefeated, that's going to be like a three or four, three to a six-point game spread, I think. Um, if some random team just happens, like if it's TCU or if it's Kansas State – I mean, I don't know what Kansas State's uh, non-conference is. Let me – actually, let me pull that up right now because, I mean, obviously they play each other um, – Early in the season, so if if they have a respectable non-conference and they get through that unscathed, and then win their first conference game, and they come and they have a home game against OU, then uh, that could potentially be an interesting point spread just because of the recent history of that series. So let's see. They got Stanford. Can't say has Stanford in Arlington, so that's that's interesting. I have no idea how good Stanford's going to be, but I I feel like just. From what I know, they've kind of fallen off over the last few years. But it's an interesting game. Kansas State should probably win. Southern Illinois, Nevada. Nevada is randomly kind of interesting, but I don't know how good they are. So they've got Stanford, Southern Illinois, Nevada, then at Oklahoma State, and then OU. So I see Iowa State, Texas, Kansas State, solely depending on those three teams' performances up to the OU game. Those are the three times where I could see OU being less than a touchdown favorite.
1: Here you go. You ready? Iowa State, right, goes to Northern Iowa. Or, no, they have host Northern Iowa, host Iowa. They go on the road to UNLV, who, remember, has a good coaching staff now. I believe Marcus Arroyo, who the old coach at Oklahoma State that was at Oregon, the OC, who may be a wide receivers coach. I believe he's the head coach now at UNLV. I think that's correct. So that's a pretty good coaching staff. I mean, obviously, Iowa State's coaching staff's a lot better.
0: That, that would be a great non-conference schedule if it was basketball. You got and I, Iowa, and UNLV. That's great.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, this Iowa State team couldn't beat anybody. It, regardless. Uh, then they go on the road to Baylor. Week four.
0: That'll yeah. be – if they beat in Iowa, that'll be a really good – okay, if they dominate Baylor, then this Iowa State team, like we already State know team. they're kind of for real, then they're, they're for real.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, That's where it gets interesting. But I did ask you about the competitiveness of the schedule. I don't see a game on the schedule where it's less than a touchdown favorite. And if it plays out to where, like, Iowa State blows a game early in the year, loses two heading into Norman, and, say, Texas loses a game early in the year, and they don't cover, you know, against Louisiana and Arkansas, or, you know, they don't do well against the spread, and OU does, like – I, don't, I think there's a chance for you where they could be a double-digit favorite all season, like a Clemson year. It gets a good schedule too, which is nuts. Um, A good yeah, a good conference schedule.
0: A fairly good conference. I mean, we'll see. I, I, I'm not – like I actually talked about this on the radio this past week. Um, I want to credit the Big 12 for the improvements that they've made on defense over the last few years because it's been a concerted effort. And when you're talking about that, you're mainly talking about OU. If OU just fixed their defensive performance – from the 2014 season up until 2018, the Big 12 would still have a – it's just an offense conference, but it wouldn't have been as comically bad because OU being the flagship program in those years, having such bad defenses, it just makes the conference look bad. At the same time, I I wish I could see the defense, the defenses in this conference still put up some great games, some great performances and numbers against a conference with the quarterback level that it was, what, three or four years ago because um, that's like that's where I just don't know I don't know if it's all defense you credit all that or if it's just the fact that the second best quarterback in the conference is is Brock Purdy like I I don't know what that says about the overall performance of the conference but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because of just how far they've come
1: yeah for sure um but I think they proved I I picked them to lose against Oregon um you know you look at me, you,
0: you did that game right you, yeah. you, you picked Iowa State to lose to Oregon. Yes. Mm. I watched
1: Iowa State's offensive line just get wrecked twice by a defensive line that's as good as Oregon's. And my red my flags in my head went blaring on an Oregon underdog in that game.
0: So yeah. I was wrong.
1: Um, but I wanted to say this. If you extrapolate that game and how Iowa State won, right, like they looked really good but they won on two huge turnovers in a ki- and a special teams touchdown. Okay? The two turnovers gave them great field position. You know, it's a conversation with Steven, right. About like what actually matters in terms of projecting games, like that kind of stuff is not weighed that much uh-huh. or it's weighed a lot, whichever perspective you want to look at it. Like it, it weighs against you. Like if you're winning games with only explosive plays and, you know, in great field position and getting takeaways, Uh, because, you know, you, you look at it, like, don't get me wrong. What Alex French says is right. But if you look at it, a takeaway takeaways happen. What, if you say what average gains, probably two, two and a half. I mean, that's two plays out of a hundred and however many plays are played in the game, you know? So, you know, so whatever, regardless, here's my analytics talk for this week, regardless, uh, back to finish up the schedule. I haven't looked at some of these other schedules. Baylor's got BYU, in a non-con game in the middle of the season, that's fun. Um, Kansas goes on the road to Coastal Carolina. Yikes! God, I, wish, to- I wish
0: those were just more normal, like non-conference games at the end of October, beginning of November.
1: Well, when Texas goes independent after this next round of conference realignment, we could get that right.
0: But just don't be cowards. Keep playing us. Don't 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 do us like A and M.
1: You know what the most Kansas State thing of all time would be, Brady?
0: To beat OU and then squander their entire season?
1: To beat Stanford and then lose to Jay Norvell and Nevada two weeks later. A good yeah, Nevada like, team.
0: So Nevada is supposed to be good. I guess you'd have a little bit more experience on this than I would. No,
1: I don't I don't know. I, I haven't looked what the SP Plus says, but yeah. they uh,
0: – we what
1: them specifically.
0: But. We will get to SP Plus to round out this episode today in just a few moments. But um, I did want to point out – Oklahoma just finished its carpet bombing of UTEP in softball. Yeah. They won 29 to nothing. <laughs> I, thought there, I thought there was a run rule in softball, man.
1: I bet – I mean, there, I think there is, like, after five innings. Oh,
0: is it after it, five innings? Uh, yeah, gosh. you have to get to five. How many home runs did they hit?
1: I I didn't pay attention. Um, I know they hit four in the first inning, so there you go. Gosh.
0: Patty Gasso gets paid less than uh, Sherry Cole. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm say goes on the road to Boise State, non con. I think we've talked about that.
0: That'll TCU? Be yeah,
1: that'll be a good game. TCU gets uh, Cal, Berkeley, and SMU at home, which is important. They need to beat SMU. Uh, we've gone over for Texas. Here's the kicker, Brady. You ready? Texas Tech gets Houston. The conference needs Texas Tech to win that game so badly. So badly. Yeah. Uh, because if Texas Tech loses that game, Brady, you know who's a good football team? Stephen F. Austin. And they play them in the next week.
0: Yeah, I remember when Tech almost lost to Houston Baptist to start off the year?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, as a conference, the Big 12 needs, out of almost every non-con game, the Texas, the Big 12 needs Texas Tech to beat Houston. They, we need our ninth team in the conference to not look like utter shit in non conference play. That, um, is, that is the hope. And then West Virginia. God, why do they schedule so hard? Two Maryland, Virginia Tech at home. They always play tough non conference
0: Yeah, they uh, they usually have, like, two logos. Well, I, Maryland isn't a logo school, but they've beaten Texas twice in the last well, – But we half. know what their
1: logo is because their helmet's disgusting.
0: Exactly. Virginia Tech, I, I would consider a logo school because they're bad. But if OU had Virginia Tech and Norman uh, to start off a season, that would be exciting to me, you know. So, yeah. I would consider them a logo school. Um, and they
1: usually – they played Tennessee a couple years ago and beat them when uh, Will yeah. Green was in town.
0: Yeah. Um, anything else on schedules? Cause I wanted
1: to. No, I haven't gone through the conference. I don't have enough knowledge of the rest of the conference yet. I I've only seen what I've seen kind of like spot games. Yeah. Not like, well, we can go through that, you know, quickly in next week's pod of what the conference schedules look like and maybe how we kind of see things pointing out. But I am too, as you would love to hear me say this, I am too ignorant on that subject right now to make comments. <laughs>
0: Um, I did want to drop this to you because I, I don't know if you've already known this, um, but this dropped about 40 minutes ago. Uh, NCAA Football Oversight Committee recommends extending the recruiting dead period.
1: Oh again. hell no! Uh,
0: the committee is made up of mostly ADs, a couple of conference conference execs, and two student athlete representatives. No one represents concerns of recruits on that committee. So, uh, for the layperson like me, in terms of recruiting. Why is this bad? Why are you reacting that way? Go.
1: Well, first off, I was yelling whenever you said extended to. When is it going to be extended to?
0: Uh, just there's no date. I don't see anything. Uh, I don't think it's in the article. I can check. But wherever wherever it is now, I guess just it's kind of like a mask mandate, how it has a, technically an end date, but it keeps getting extended past uh, for obvious reasons. So, yeah.
1: Think about this. Think about this. Think about your entire recruiting process, right? I kind of went through it. I didn't go see all the places I wanted to go see, and that's probably why I end up making maybe not as good a decision.
0: It, as just I says, did. it just says through May 31st.
1: I could get there on that. If they open it up to where kids could come start going to camp, you know, they could bring kids in on visits in June, July, and open that period up. I don't have a problem with that. Um, and then also, if you want to have, like, Oh, oh, you know, allow the teams because like the coaches can't do any hardly any on field stuff with the players in the summer, though they get like 45 minutes a week, I think, or something like that, or hour and a half, however long it may be, you know, if it's June, July, Brady, and you open up camps for these coaches to go see players and uh, that you kind of have an evaluation period mixed in with the, you know, cram all the visits in all in June, July, cut August out, don't allow any visits in August, unless you have a home game. Um, At the end of August, and you start it and you pick it back open for September. That works, right? Like if you cram basically an entire February through April, or February through May into June and July. I don't think there's a problem with that. Coaches may disagree, but I don't see a problem. May I don't see a problem with May thirty first. Coaches, coaches are going to be pissed because of the spring games. They want to be able to bring recruits in for the spring games.
0: Yeah, I would just say like it's a little hypocritical that schools, stadiums are being they're allowed to you know bring in some percentage of fans to make money but you know you're asking like 17 18 year old kids to make a decision that you're gonna have to be bound to in some way shape or form that you can kind of wiggle yourself out out of anyway for the next three to five years for a coach that you're not going to be able to meet in person I mean Lincoln Riley already told the media what a week and a half ago where once the early enrollees, the spring enrollees, got to campus last week, it was the first time I've met most of them. <laughs> so, like, it, it's a little right. – to me, that seems a little hypocritical. I'm sure that there are other ins and outs of it that I just don't see. But just on the surface, that seems a little unfair. But this is what college football is. It's unfair to the player.
1: Yeah. I, uh, again, I, I – again, I think coaches would have a problem with that. But if they open it up in the spring – you know, or in the summer for kids to visit in June, July, I think it'd be a good set off. Just to be like, guys, we don't want to cause a problem with COVID, you know, like make sure, not saying that kids need to go get vaccines, not, not requiring that, but there's just, again, the long, at this point, if you can do it to where you feel you know comfortable with your schools, allowing kids to come in that you don't know where they've been, what they've been doing, you don't know their contact tracing, you don't know anything. Cause I think we're a couple, cause you, you know, just a side point here, the CDC announced today that if you've had the COVID-19 uh, vaccine and if you get exposed to someone that has it and it's positive and you have the vaccine, you don't have to quarantine. That was their latest recommendation, which that's a huge step, you know? So, if, yeah. you know, it, so at that, at that same point, I know there's more logistics to that than this. And I, I don't know enough to comment further, but, I think that's a huge step just from the aspect of one fans in the stands coming, you know, in fall, that's huge. And then two, for recruiting purposes, you know, these kids don't have to feel like they have to go quarantine and families if they come visit and they have a vaccine, or if they don't, then they just follow the same guidelines we had before. You know, it, it makes things a lot easier. That's all. That was my final point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's hundred percent. Right. I mean, a lot of these assumptions, just not just about, traveling but you know even playing the sport of football in fall with full stadiums are us just kind of assuming that you know by that point the vast majority of the population will be vaccinated and the vaccine works uh, everything thus far is giving me the impression that it does so we are hopefully going to be good to go keegan should we gotta we...
1: give a round of applause real quick we gotta give a round of applause for the state of oklahoma we are down 50 percent from our peak in hospitals and covid i just want to give a round of applause That's, oh we yeah should celebrate that
0: there, there are i i think there are some obvious pragmatic reasons for that but <laughs> I, I, sure. I will say that it's just good for the healthcare workers just uh to ease their burden so uh-huh. but even though there are some reasons to point that out um i'll choose to look at it that way uh, there you go celebrate it safe uh keegan let's let's touch on the sb plus rankings just a little bit before we get out of here round this podcast out
1: Oklahoma's third uh, projected to have the number one offense, which is in the right. You know, we talked about the formula, right? With 2019 LSU. Um, That's what LSU had. The difference though, Oklahoma's projected to have the 16th ranked defense, Brady Trantham, um, according to the numbers that is four spots higher than LSU finished in 2019. So Oklahoma is sort of in that mathematical equation that, you know, you LSU was the myth was the buster they'd won without a top 10 defense Oklahoma has a chance I think to do that this year that's an important first step Alabama's number one they're considered basically a field goal better than Clemson and Oklahoma Clemson's just a a six-tenths of a point higher than Oklahoma so um, what we've been saying Ohio State's fourth Brady they're they're technically a field goal worse and a touchdown worse than Bama um, Oregon's right behind them, and we get Ohio State, Oregon, in Columbus, which I'm picking Ohio State to lose that game, although that's going to be trendy. So, uh, those your top, or I'll go, I'll go top ten. Six is Georgia, no surprise, right behind Oregon by a tenth of a point. Iowa State seventh, a full, a full um, point behind Georgia. Miami's eighth, which Bill Connolly unpacked that on the uh, on the Cover Three podcast which is, as I've had more free time. I've had more podcasts to listen to. That was really good. Um, and I would recommend, well, if you want to go listen to that and figure out more and dive into SP Plus. Um, he he ba- k- kind of explains why Miami's eighth. Uh, Wisconsin's ninth. And they're only a point behind uh, Iowa State. North Carolina is 10th. North Carolina, Washington, Florida, A&M are kind of all bunched together. Penn State, all Cincinnati, you know, that group's all... 10 through 10 through 17 is all kind of bunched together. North Carolina and a rounds out at USC at 17. You want any Big 12 numbers before we talk about it? Sure. Texas is 20th. Uh, they are considered 11 points worse, Well, just less than 11 points worse than Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's 29th. They are considered. Two touchdowns worse than Oklahoma. TCU's twelfth. West Virginia third, or not twelfth. <laughs> TCU is thirty-third, and then their their rating is twelve. Uh, West Virginia is thirty-fourth. See if I can find one quickly. Baylor's fifty-first. Kansas State sixty-third. We'll talk about that. Um, and then I believe Kansas is just way down here. Um, Kansas is 113th there you go oh and I got to need to find Texas Tech Texas Tech is we way down here
0: nowhere to be found
1: not yet not great
0: well I mean uh,
1: Texas Tech is 70. so there you go there yeah, it's kind of threw all the numbers at
0: you well I think once again that SB plus rankings just kind of show that I would just say like the drop off from the third or the fourth team uh, projected at those spots to five, six, seven, and eight is fairly dramatic. Um, Mm -hmm. any year it's just, it's any, any year like two or three teams are legitimate national title contenders. And in some years like this one, and even the year previous, the one team that wins it is just by far better than those two or three teams anyway. So, uh, playoffs in college football can sometimes be a little silly, I guess, but no, it certainly bodes well for OU. Um, this is something that we have talked about, you and I, going back to 2015, 16, 17, when we started uh, group chatting about, oh, they need to fire Mike Stoops. Well, what are they going to do? I don't know who they're going to get, but if he's worse, then you move on to the next guy, and if the next guy's better, well, then three or four years later, you can hopefully expect some improvement, and now three years later... OU finds itself in a top three, top five offensive rating and a potential top 15 uh, defensive rating, SB plus speaking. So that speaks for itself.
1: Yeah, as we said on Tuesday, like I have definitely more turned towards like use the numbers as an arbitrary, you know, conversation. Like if I think one way and it thinks the other way, like start to figure out maybe why we're we're in different places. Uh, That starts with number six, Georgia for me. Um, I don't get why they're behind Oregon, Ohio state. I get that they, you know, in terms of, from a recruiting perspective, you would think with how much he weighs recruiting in, right. That they would be higher and maybe probably where they belong, which is with Ohio state or just above them. Uh, Miami at eight's a sell. Holy shit. That's a sell. And even Connolly was like on that podcast, Brady. He was like, yeah, when it spit out its numbers and it put Miami at eight, I was like, okay, like I may need to look at this. <laughs> and, uh, but he made a good point. They return almost all their offensive line. They add Charleston Rambo, who's got, a, you know, good numbers, technically. He's a, technically a good wide receiver, um, adding him to the equation from Oklahoma. And that they return, they do lose Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche. And maybe Greg – maybe Russo goes there too. But regardless, those three guys are gone, um, but they still return a lot. So it makes sense why they're eight. I'm a – you know this. I think North Carolina's right where they need to be at 10 like but of any team that in that top 10 to 17 range Brady that could grow from that position North Carolina and USC I know you're going to be like Keegan, USC, Clay Helton, this and that. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But they just landed probably what's going to be the future first round top five pick and Corey Foreman out of high school. And you're going to be like, Keegan, he's just going to be a freshman. I got to see this guy in person, Brady, as a junior at the opening, going up against Evan Neal and other five-star guys that were a year older. And none of them could hold his jock. <laughs> I, like, was watching this kid, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, he's the one that got the uh, Clemson tattoo on his arm and then uh, decommitted from yeah. there and signed with USC. Um, so – USC at 17, I think is interesting. Arizona State, I'm just circling and noting it at 18. That's probably where they belong. I'm not picking them to win the Pac-12, but I think that they, they have a chance to. I am buying LSU at 26. We, you know enough about LSU? They return them, uh, all the both corners and Elias Ricks and Derek Stingley, got a quarterback coming back. Good skill. I mean, I 26 is a little low. I mean, they're they're paired with. Here's the teams that's around LSU, Brady. Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Indiana, Auburn, Oklahoma State, Nebraska. We're about to talk about Nebraska.
0: Well, let's, let's, let's save Nebraska for another time, mainly because I've got I've to get ready and run to work. But um, I would just say for LSU, yeah, they've got a lot of returning talent, and I think they're certainly trending in the right direction from the second point, second half of the season last year their offense is still going to be boring. Like, this is just classic LSU. Great skill guys, uh, a lot of talent on defense, but their offense is just – They hired
1: Joe Brady's assistant from the Panthers as his OC. You never know.
0: They're now now seeing – I know, you said – They're just trying to play the hits now.
1: (laughs) For sure. Uh, Let me roll through this before we let you go. Um, I am a buyer in Baylor at 51. I think you you know that. Um, Arkansas at 41 is interesting. Nebraska's 30th. Let's discuss Nebraska next Thursday, um, and then uh, Kansas State at sixty three. Though you want to, you want to You got maybe five minutes. You, I mean, I just like Kansas State is in the group with Boston College, Wake Forest, and SMU. I don't see that. Like, I don't look at that roster and go. I think, like, I think they're closer to a top twenty five team than a top sixty three team.
0: Hmm. I don't know. Like what, what's the quarterback situation? Is is it Zeno?
1: No, Kansas State. Okay. Baylor's at fifty one. Yeah, Kansas okay. State's at sixty
0: three. Well, Kansas State, even if you know, even if they're healthy, they're still not very good. <laughs> like we we just have a warped sense of what Kansas State can be because we mainly watch them play Oklahoma. They're not mm-hmm. like that against the everybody else in the conference, like in the least, like you already talked about with the, with the quarterback splits, they are way below average against everybody else, not named Oklahoma. And again, we've talked at nauseum about why they beat OU. Um, there are a multitude of reasons. And some of them are because OU just slept walk at certain points of those two games. It happens.
1: Yeah. Um, and then I'll just finish this up. Just get this on record. All who else I'm buying, Kentucky, Missouri, 57, 58, Florida State at 61. Um, you're going to be like, Keegan, no, but trust me. Uh, you know, and then I think you go down the list. There's only a couple more places, like Nevada, 74th. Nevada's going to be better than that. Northwestern, 75th. Northwestern will be better than that. Fresno's down there. San Diego State. I mean, Marshall. So – there's a, from a, that's looking at it from a betting perspective, right? A win total pot- potential. So there you go. There's my little spiel. I'm looking around college football. Uh, we have, uh, we do have some content though we can get into, Brady. We got Big Ten schedules out now. Um, we haven't gone through that like we did with the SEC. ACC, I don't know if their schedules are out, but uh, for everyone, well, that's like, well, what are they going to talk about? Oh, we've got, for the next couple of weeks, at least three weeks, we got, we got a little bit.
0: Well, let's go ahead and just go ahead and say, right now, unless some big news drops between now and Thursday, let's just go ahead and say Thursday, you know, on top of the OU stuff that we'll talk about in that podcast at the house next week, if the weather isn't terrible, uh, we'll go ahead and deep dive in Nebraska and then big 10 scheduling.
1: And, and sellers SP plus sellers. Yeah. So there you go. That's what awesome. I got for you today, Brady.
0: Awesome. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the inside OU podcast. Once again, uh, this one, we weren't obviously at Vanessa House, but please uh, be sure to drop by Vanessa House anytime soon. You can always pick up some beer and stow away in your house, your mansion, your estate, your apartment uh, while the winter snowmageddon rolls in. But you'll be well supplied with some good Vanessa House local brew uh, from Vanessa House Beer Company. So give them a, give them a shout. Give them a, give them a follow on social media, Instagram, Twitter. It's at VHBeer on Twitter, I believe. Um, and then go give them some business. We like them. They're good. I wouldn't lie to you about something as important as beer. Uh, it's really good. I highly recommend it. But uh, we love our friends at Nest House. But until next time, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast, and we'll talk to you later.